Welcome to In the Seams, a podcast by Broken and Mended, with your host, David Heffler. It's been a while since we've had our last broadcast, and so I want to welcome you back to In the Seams. If you're a first-time listener, I hope you'll go back and listen to some of the other offerings, the first six episodes. And four of those episodes are actually interviews where I was speaking to, in a lot of cases, different authors, but also fellow chronic illness sufferers. Uh, I think for the summer, it's just nice maybe to keep it a little simpler, and I'm going to be flying solo for a little bit. Uh, but after the summer, I'll try to round up another spate of interesting interviews. You know, our first four interviews were all with women, and though I'm a man who talks frequently pretty much constantly about chronic illness, I do find that in general that men are more uncomfortable discussing it than women. There's no reason to try to tough guy it by yourself through chronic illness and pain. In many days, it, it may seem manageable. I think most of us that are able to continue to live a normal life with our chronic illness do uh, find that we'll have either either seasons or at least a you know a day here and there that we find it to be pretty manageable where it just doesn't dominate our thoughts all the time. Um, but even if that's the case, it does get to everyone eventually. And so I do look forward to having some men on the show here in the future, and hopefully we can help make men speaking about health struggles the norm. Well, today I, I want to speak to you about a metaphor that Paul uses to demonstrate weakness as something that God uses for his glory. And, and that was a common theme for Paul. And in 2 Corinthians 4, he uses the illustration of clay jars to describe what he and his companions were, ordinary and fragile containers for holding the treasure of the gospel. Well, he wasn't talking specifically there about chronic illness, but he was talking about suffering. And here we find an answer to how we are still useful to God despite our illness. And that's really what I want to explore today. In fact, we could say that we are even more useful to God because of our illness. Well, how could that be so? Well, I want to talk a little bit about that in relation to becoming clay jars through chronic illness, or perhaps we could say better clay jars through chronic illness. You know, Paul was a man who boasted in weakness. He very famously said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, I'm reading from the NIV. In fact, all my readings will be from the NIV unless I say otherwise. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So this is Paul speaking. God is He's reflecting on what God had said to him or what Jesus had said to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast. Now, this is again Paul speaking. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions. In difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, kind of circle back around to what we talked about earlier, men. Let's dispense with the idea that real men don't talk about illness and, and struggle, weakness, uh, unless you are prepared to say the Apostle Paul was not a real man. 
And women, I know that you're not immune to this issue either. We all like to look like we have it together. But Paul phrases this scenario as a choice. If we, if we're going to put ourselves here in Paul's position, want to be able to say, Christ's power rests on me, then we need to be prepared to, as Paul said, boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses. You know, a person who trusts and boasts in their own strength denies the space necessary for the power of God to be at work in their lives. Backing up to 2 Corinthians 4, we find Paul's famous jar of clay or jars of clay passage. And in the first six verses of this chapter, Paul is explaining, I think he's given a rationale that there's nothing wrong with his ministry just because some people had responded negatively to, uh, you know, the message. You know, they they didn't accept Christ, uh, even though Paul had preached Christ, that he had given the gospel and they had rejected it. And Paul's saying that that's that's not because there's something wrong with the gospel. Uh, he He's saying that basically that's because people's eyes or their minds are veiled from receiving the gospel or hearing or seeing the gospel. He's tying it into a theme that he's been talking about earlier about being veiled. And he's reflecting back on when this is back in chapter three, but he's thinking back to the story of Moses. You know, when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and he receives the 10 commandments and he comes down, he has to veil his face because his face shines so bright with the glory of God that the Israelites cannot look upon him. And so he's talking about this. He's really talking about back in chapter three, the difference between the old and the new covenant and and why the new covenant in Christ is superior to the old covenant. Uh, But he stays with this metaphor of of veiling so that he could speak about uh, the gospel and its effects on those who hear it. And what he says there is that the people who had rejected the gospel, the unbelievers, that the reason that they had done so is because Satan had veiled their minds, but not so for Paul and his companions, as he continues in verse 7, when he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Well, the treasure in the context here is very clear. It's the gospel. It's the the good news about Jesus Christ and the salvation that we receive in him when we become a follower of Jesus. And the following verses make clear that the jars of clay, he's speaking about literally our mortal bodies. So he gives examples there of all kinds of suffering that, that they had experienced. Again, Paul and his companions, and how in every case, Well, let me use Paul's words here. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our bodies. 2 Corinthians 4.10, again from the NIV. So if you talk about death, if you say to Paul, hey, death is going to shut you up if nothing else can, and Paul's okay with that really because death is inextricably tied to resurrection in Christ. So I might be oversimplifying here, but sometimes I think it's helpful. And most of Paul's arguments can be a little complicated. I think it can be helpful to simplify. And it's just simply this. You can't defeat Paul because he makes his life and his death 
all about Jesus. And Jesus has already conquered death. So even if you kill Paul, you haven't really shut, shut him up. You've even made him a greater jar of clay. You've made him a greater witness. I love verse 13, and it's a, it's a little bit beyond the, the jar of clay passage, which ends in verse 7, but it's a continued thought, a continued uh, argument that Paul is making about the effectiveness of his ministry and what makes it effective. But anyway, in verse 13, it's translated in the NIV, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. You know, it's hard to bring out that uh, the emphasis there in the English, but the final phrase, the final we also believe and therefore speak is emphatic. The pronoun we is not needed to just restate that quoted scripture, which comes from Psalm 115. The reason it's not needed, and again, this is why it's hard to bring out in the English, and in the English, we need the pronoun, but in the Greek, you don't. You, you can imply it, or you can, or the I should say, better said, that the verb contains the pronoun. It's implicit uh, or inherent in, in the verb itself. And so when you add the pronoun in a situation like that, often the author is trying to be emphatic in what they are trying to express. So it it. It is added for that purpose to say, and here if you could see the script I'm working off of, you would see we in all caps. We also believe and therefore speak. You can notice this even in the English that the verb tenses change as well. From that quoted passage in Psalm 115, the verbs were believed, that's the aorist or the past tense, and spoken, also past tense. And then, uh, but when Paul restates it to apply it to his ministry, notice how the verbs change from believed to believe and from spoken to speak, because he's emphasizing, again, his present ministry. And the point here is that Paul can't stop speaking about what he believes, and we shouldn't stop either. So if you purchased a treasure in those days in a, in a container, a, a clay jar, well, the latter is completely unremarkable. They didn't dress up the, 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 um, sorry, the clay jar. They didn't dress it up or try to make it look fancy because they wanted the treasure to show off. They wanted people's eyes to be attracted to what was in the jar, not the jar itself. So it was completely unremarkable. Its value is in the virtue only that it holds the treasure. Our contemporary equivalent today was, is probably cardboard boxes. You don't go buy a valuable product. You know, we bought my son a, um, a computer, for example, uh, when uh, for his grad, senior graduation present that he's going to be able to use in college. I'm sure it's a nice box. We didn't buy it. We didn't spend the $1,000 or whatever it was because it was a... Uh, because we thought the box looked nice. We bought it because of what it contained. It was a treasure, and hopefully it will be used as a treasure as he goes through his education uh, you know, process. But some of you may be thinking then, if, if my point is, and or more to the point if Paul's point is, that our body is a jar of clay, then, then my body is broken because it's ill. It hurts. It can't function the way that it used to. And so we can't really hold the treasure anymore. But that's really to press the metaphor too far. 
That's not what Paul is teaching. He was saying that everything between what we might describe as kind of normal everyday life and all the way up to death and even through death is what makes us jars of clay. So if it's not chronic illness, human frailty is still present. A jar can be broken easily. Our bodies can be broken easily. And and the most dangerous frailty is to be unaware of our human mortality. And it's a terrible deception for people to think that God needs them. It's our strength that counts. It's spiritual malpractice to think that we are speaking on God's behalf when we are actually speaking on our own. Chronic illness and pain do not reduce our witness to the gospel even a little bit. We may allow it to so discourage us that we close our mouths about Jesus, you know, because we got so, we, we, we despaired and we didn't want to talk about it. And in an extreme case, a person might even walk away from their faith because of chronic illness. Um, I, I hope that's not the case. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, I don't, I don't think that's where you are in your mind and your heart. It doesn't mean you don't struggle or you don't doubt or don't wrestle with the way things have worked out for you in, in regards to your faith, in regards to your relationship with God. And by the way, that does not compromise our, our witness. That actually adds to our witness because other people are going through that as well. And so it's if we allow ourselves to be shut up, if you will, by in regards to testifying about God's faithfulness and the gospel of Christ, it's not the chronic illness that did that. It's not the chronic illness that robs us of our voice. Now, yes, I know that some of you, I've known some people who have had chronic illnesses that literally have their voices affected. But that's not, again, what we're talking about here. The voice of testimony is not constrained to sound waves emitted from our vocal cords. We are his witnesses in his jars of clay, when we simply remain faithful, we simply remain his in the midst of the storm. So the more broken we are, even if literally our voice is, but the more broken we are, the more we will show this surpassing glory of God is from him and not from us. It's possible that in the early days of my chronic illness that I was too eager to speak not about God's faithfulness, but about my suffering. And, and I don't want you to misunderstand me here because I'm not lecturing either my past self or, or any of you today. I'm not getting on to you about the idea that, hey, you need to speak about your sufferings. I know you do. <laughs> I, I, I've, there are times where I've got to talk about it with someone. It's part of the reason why I created the ministry by, you know, with God's help and a lot of other people's help. But, you know, this, this, was, this is my vision, my dream because I know the need for us to be able to talk about what we're suffering suffering with. Uh, so don't misunderstand me. I, I believe we need to speak about our suffering, and, and sometimes we need to do that just for our benefit and for our sanity. But my point here is that it took me a while to find my voice for God in this struggle. I had to learn how to be a better jar of clay. And then the more I deflected attention back to God's glory and faithfulness, 
the more I refuse to take credit for myself when I maybe was doing well with my attitude, the less I clamored for the pity of others, or the more that I let go of slights from people who were inconsiderate of my illness, the more or the better a jar of clay I became. And I'm still learning how to do this even now and, and going to be learning all, you know, all my life. If I make it about me, I'm not a real good jar of clay because jars of clay are not supposed to be about themselves, supposed to be about the treasure. So to be like Paul in this case, and I'm sure he wasn't perfect in it, but he was pretty good. And, and I want to be like him and just make my life and my death and everything in between about Jesus. And the more I learn to do that, the more God is glorified, the more the gospel is shared in my life, the more I am a, an effective jar of clay. And I think that's going to be true for you as well. It doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean we don't need a pity party sometimes, because I know I do. It just means that there is a greater purpose for those of us who are disciples of Jesus in all that we're going through to be a faithful witness to God to be a jar of clay and to show this all-surpassing glory is from of God and not from us. That, that is what's going to make a difference, not only in our lives, but in the lives of other people. Well, that's going to be all for this uh, episode of In the Scenes. We're going to come in at under 20 minutes, which I think is a, uh, is, is a first for me. Uh, if I don't ramble on too much now, anyway, we'll make that. You know, I, I obviously had a very focused topic today, and when we, we have some of these sessions while I'm not interviewing someone, we, I may do it this way. It makes it a little bit shorter, but I hope still edifying. And so I want to thank you for listening, and I look forward to meeting back together in this wonderful space called a podcast. I, I think it's pretty cool, even though I don't know who many of you may be who are listening. Uh, it means something to me that you're listening and that we are a part of this community together. Uh, check out our ministry at brokenandmended.org. You can go to .com as well. I'm going to start saying brokenandmended.org because we're updating our website, and eventually that will be where you'll need to go. Lots of ways you can connect to the ministry. I'll let you look at it there and read about it there, uh, and I'm going to sign off for today. So I hope you have a very blessed rest of your day and week whenever you have the opportunity to listen to this particular episode of In the Scenes.